Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got a good friend that I've met through one of my favorite organizations, um, Front Row Dads. And, you know, I mention Front Row Dads a lot because uh, as Ned and I will probably get into, um, you know, I think between being a husband and then secondly, being a father, um, I, I, what else are we doing? I mean, the whole purpose in life, when we really look at everything, it's, you know, everything that I work for, um, the business and, and trying to design the life of investing for freedom and, and the reason why we bring, you know, management teams and, and, and stack our businesses so that we don't have to be there every day. I mean, if we're spending every day on the beach alone and we don't, you know, have our significant other or our relationships, our friends, whatever, then what's the point? And so the reason why I love this group front row dads for me personally, that role of dad is probably, you know, next to husband, it's the most important thing that, um, you know, I'll, I'll ever be able to accomplish in life. And Ned, as we'll get into, uh, who I again met through front row dads has a very interesting, um, passion and purpose, uh, you know, behind, fatherhood and everything else. And I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'll let him get into it. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on is because we align around that. And I know that the title of dad is extremely important to Ned. So Ned, I'm just super grateful for you being on the show. Yeah, Mike, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to just talking life, fatherhood and, and uh, yeah, sharing what I can with your people. You know, it's going to be fun. And um, before I get into the four questions, you know, this is investing for freedom. And, and one of the things that I've always tried to live my life by is, you know, making sure that when my kids need me, I'm not bound to work. I'm not tied to work. If I want to take a vacation, I'm not tied to work. Um, you guys have done something recently where you relocated your family and, and everybody's just on this experience. That's pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So, um, for years and years, we could not figure out what was going on with our son's health. And, uh, he just had a lot of breathing issues. And so we finally realized that it was all environmental. Actually, you know, I started my business in 2008 and, uh, five kids, you know, so we were struggling and, and, uh, back in 2008, when we had our twins were born, we had four kids under the age of four. And my son was the one with the health issues. He's one of the twins. Um, we were on dude getting free cheese and milk from the government. You know, I mean, it, we were, we were broke at the time. So, you know, the idea of taking all my kids on an airplane somewhere was like, oh my gosh. So we finally were able to do that in January, 2020. And we went to Mexico and my son started breathing well. And, um, my wife's like in tears, like, oh my gosh, he can breathe. And so we went home and tried a bunch of things and, and we had tried things for years and years and years. Anyways, long story short, all environmental. And, uh, so we decided to move to Hawaii. So we sold everything. We sold our houses. We sold our cars. We sold everything. And, uh, it's been one year. We moved here uh, one year ago and, uh, the kids each had a suitcase, a backpack and two totes full of whatever they wanted to bring <clears throat> and, uh, moved into a 900 square foot condo just to get ourselves over here. 
And uh, within six months, we found a rad spot like really close to the beach and we, we live here. And uh, yeah, we're just getting settled in. The kids have friends and school and, and it, it, it's been a transition, but we're right there at the end where, where it's feeling good. It feels like home now. Yeah. And, and like everybody, I mean, I kind of follow a lot of people's journeys on social media. Are you guys flipping a house or are you remodeling the house that you're moving into? So we, re, we remodeled the condo that we bought. So we bought this condo sight unseen through text message from some lady we met. Um, and it didn't look inside like what we had anticipated, okay. which is all good. It worked out well, super blessed for the family. Um, but now we are keeping it for friends, family, and, you know, Airbnb or whatever. Um, cause it's about a mile from the house we bought. So the house we bought, one of the cool things about Hawaii is a lot of the houses are fully furnished. So the house we bought was fully furnished, ready to go. I mean, just walk in, there's a weight set, there's bikes, there's a Traeger, there's all the pool furniture, like everything is is pretty sweet. So not a lot have to do in that aspect. <laughs> Super cool. Well, let's get into the four questions and then we'll circle let's back to, you know, fatherhood and the journal you've created and the books you have coming up and just the, you know, community that you've built. It's super exciting. Hey guys, it's Mike here. Just taking a second to let you know that we have two spots remaining at the Lake Powell Mastermind, which is a father-son mastermind. So if you're listening to this and you have a son between the ages of 10 and 18 or 19 years old, and you want to join us at Lake Powell, there are two spots remaining. Uh, this is going to be an amazing experience if you've uh, ever been to Lake Powell, or even if you haven't been to Lake Powell, it's one of the most amazing places on earth. We have a houseboat there, which we'll be staying on. Um, all the meals will be uh, taken care of. We'll just have a great time as father and son's out on the lake. Dylan will be teaching wake surfing lessons. We'll be doing some spearfishing. Um, we'll have a Nautique G23 up there that we can uh, ride around and play around on the lake on. And again, uh, lessons from Dylan. So if that's something that interests you, text the word Lake Pal to 480-531-7519. All the guys that are signed up and their boys are amazing. It's going to be an awesome time. So again, if you want to join us, text the word Lake Pal to 480-531-7519 or shoot me a DM on Instagram at the Mike Ayala and we can talk about getting you um, on the boat with us. It's coming up quick. It's uh, mid-September. So if that's of interest to you, let's hop on a call. So who has had the greatest impact on your life? Yeah, it's so interesting the question. I sat down with it and, and I'm 39 years old, I'm almost 40. And to, to think of the one person who had the most impact on my life is, is difficult, right? Because you think of all these seasons of life, of these mentors, these people who stepped in and out of your life, or maybe are still in your life. And you think of you wouldn't be the man or woman you are today without those people. Um, so I, I wrote down a couple names and so I'll, I'll share these. Um, one is my parents, you know, my parents, um, put me in private school in seventh grade and, you know, I've talked to them recently and, and I don't know what it was about the value of money or whatever, but I told my parents, well, first I didn't want to go there, but once I did, and I realized how much they were spending for me to go, which, you know, probably 800 bucks a month or something. I told them, I'm going to make every dollar you spend worth it. And they sent me there because they looked at the other kids that went there and their parents did X, Y, and Z. So it was a real expansion of my mind of what's possible, you know, to not maybe just get stuck in a town to do the same job that everybody does, which, which is fine. But that was a huge impact for me. Um, and in that high school, I had my, uh, it was a Christian high school. And um, one of the teachers, Mr. Amato, Tom Amato, was Bible class, but he treated it like leadership class. Mm. So he, you know, gave us assessments and he gave us books to read and he really expanded my mind. And I think kind of called me out as a leader. 
And so he had such a huge impact on my life to help me see what it means to lead uh, and to give people opportunity. So yeah, probably Mr. Amato. If I had to pick one person, you know, there's a, there's a guy, um, and he's definitely not the person that's had the greatest impact on my life, but he was one of my first bosses. I worked at Denny's and, you know, he really taught me leadership, work ethic. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a, there was a day where, you know, the, the two guys that were kind of on my crew left without finishing stuff. And he made me stay. He didn't, well, he made me. He said, you need to stay and finish this up. And I was pissed, Ned. I was like, you know, why me? I finished my spot. Mm -hmm. Like these guys just left. And, you know, he taught me these little lessons. He's like, that's why you're going to be successful in life because you don't just leave things for other people. He taught me all these little things. And I've brought him up so many times lately. And every time I bring him up or think about him, I'm like, I need to reach out to Ben French and tell him what an impact he's had on my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild. Yeah, it's crazy those little things. I mean, I think of every construction job I had in high school or restaurant job or, you know, all these relationships. And I think it comes down to like, are you open to learning something from somebody that's been placed in your life, you know, and are they willing to teach? Um, and I think that's kind of the thing I've been coming up to lately is, you know, I've been getting more questions from people, which is really an honor to get asked. Um, but then not feeling like I'm too busy to, to, to answer your question. Cause it's like, there's a hundred people who answered questions for me the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So definitely got to keep that in, in my mind to be present for people who are also coming up, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I'm in another group called go abundance. I don't know if you're familiar with go abundance, but, yeah. um, there was a guy there speaking. His name was Chris, Christopher Lockhart. It was the summer event, I think in 2019 or 2020. And he's a super successful marketing guy worked for Pepsi Coke, one of these big, he's done a ton, a lot of exits, VC type guy, but he's made this comment and he said, you know, when you get to the top, throw down the F and rope, like, um, Mm. you know, you just can't forget where you came from. And I like what you just said about, you know, you got people asking you, you know, a hundred questions and, and I've thought about this too. And some of this is the reason, you know, why, like social media is a powerful tool and the podcast is a powerful tool, but you know, I'm trying to filter. like, how do you, how do you create systems and processes where, you know, when you get a thousand questions ans- asked, you can continue to throw down that rope and, and, and because there's only so much time. And so right. you know, how do you like, how do you help uh, people with these questions? So my, my brain constantly kind of works on that. Cause as you said, you know, you've been asked a hundred questions and, and not forgetting to make sure that we're giving that impact back. And part of it is like the books that you're writing and that kind of thing, because that answers a lot of questions for people that are hungry in a certain area. It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Super cool. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would it be? I think consistency. So, you know, I, I tell people, so my, my primary business is employee benefits. I got into sales when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. And, and I think the thing that has helped me the most is just being consistent. So when I think about being consistent, like showing up every day, you know, waking up every day and just going after it, I don't know if there's this internal conviction of, you know, one, one, I do think it's this belief of who I'm supposed to be in my home. So it's like, I'm the provider. And, and I think on the shiny outside point, it's like, Hey, that's great. You're a great dad. You show up for your family, you make money, you can, you know, you moved yourself into a house and, that's like the, the look good part on the outside. But on the inside, I do think that there's, I'm starting to make this shift right now. And that 
this consistency. I'm a little bit addicted to performance. I'm a little bit addicted to like my value so much coming from this performance. And so making this shift right now to go the way I built my business, I don't need to keep doing. Um, but I personally struggle if it's 10 a.m. on a Saturday and I don't know what we're doing all day. It's really tough for me to, to enjoy the day sometimes. Um, but going back to your question about the, the greatest impact, I would say consistency. And there's this conviction inside me that I got to get up and do it again tomorrow, even if today sucked um, and nobody's going to do it for me. So I, I got to get up and I got to do it. And I think it's just that domino effect doing the one thing every day and then pausing and strategizing and making sure the one things that you are doing are even having an impact on where you want to go. Mm. So I guess consistency in, in is, is kind of relative, right? I have been really good about spending a day or a couple days a year reflecting on my last year's journals on my last year's goals I hit and didn't hit and then course correcting or celebrating. And I think that, um, doing that the last six, seven years has been critical to me growing my businesses, being in a position where I could move my family due to my son's health. Um, so consistency in the things that matter and reflection. I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Ah, my greatest setback. So in my life, I, growing up, I was really involved in our, our, our youth group and church as a kid, I played drums in church. And I had this idea that I was going to build this epic youth center. It was going to be something the world had never seen. I talk about it in the TEDx and in my first book, because that's really what all this was born out of. So I had this idea, like imagine you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie where the, the Foot Clan has that really badass fort where they like, it's like a three-story building. They climb under the fence. They're all skateboarding and playing pool and smoking cigars, right? Uh, unpacking stolen goods. So imagine that, but without the cigars and the stolen goods, I wanted to make a youth center that looked like that. And in 2015, it was being dropped in my lap. It was ridiculous. This 84-year-old woman had partnered with her son to build a 36,000-square-foot indoor skateboard park. And he, the son walked away, skipped town. She was going to give it to me. So I would show up at this place for a year. I'd work there on my off days. I'd, I ran my youth group out of there. We threw big events there. I'd show up there whenever I would. I would walk around the building one time just like, all right, God, this is going to happen. This is what's up. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, and then it all fell apart. It didn't, it just, it didn't work out in the end. And that year, 2015 was such an identity crisis for me. It was like, whoa, who the hell am I? If I'm not Ned, the guy doing the youth center, Ned, not with the new era youth community, because we were on the high school campuses. We were like on the middle school campuses. It was, it was like the perfect master plan that Ned created. And, um, it, it really consumed me. So in that year of self-reflection, going to the beach a lot, just looking in the mirror a lot, like what the heck? Um, I realized that a lot of things I want as a man to be valued, respected, needed, loved, and know that I'm leaving a mark on this earth. Um, I was looking for those in, in kind of the wrong spot. And then I really should be looking at those first and foremost as a father in my home. And like, when I say father, I mean, husband, father, family, you know, leader in my home. Um, and I, I was a great dad. Dude, I was a great dad. Like you would say, Ned, you're a great dad. But my very best time, energy, and effort was put into this other thing. Um, so at that point, I continued with with my insurance business, which is like, 
I don't, if you ask me what I do, I don't want to tell you I sell insurance. It's like the most unsexy thing to say. I didn't even know. Um, which, yeah. Yeah. See, no one, no one knows, but that's my <laughs> primary business. I'm so freaking grateful for it. But, um, I think, per, you know, for me, for Ned, the reason why that job has been the one that's been given me put in my hand to be a good steward of is because I, I, I don't find identity in it. Right. I love my team. I love building my team. I love that. But, uh, yeah, man, I could go on and on, but, uh, the biggest failure flop, if you will, um, was that. And I'm so freaking grateful that it happened. That's pretty crazy, man. Pretty wild. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? So as I get older, I realize I just need to shut my freaking mouth and not share much advice because I, and maybe it's just like front row dads and, you know, meeting guys like you. And I'm like, dang, there's guys just freaking brilliant people out there. But if I were to say, what is the thing that I share the most? There's a book called Big Five for Life um, by John Strzelecki. It's uh, long story short, back in like 06, 07, I was starting a clothing company where we were using um, girls who had been trafficked, who needed a job in Cambodia to make the clothing. And when we started this, the guy who invested in our company, he told us he wouldn't give us the money until we read this book. So I read the book in like 24 hours and, you know, gave him my answers to the book. So they, anyways, since then, I've probably given 350 copies of those books away. Um, I order them all the time. Every one of my clients gets it. Anybody who works on my team, they have to read it before I'll even look at their resume, essentially. Um, so I would say that's what I've shared the most. And the reason why is... Um, Man, you, you know, the idea of happiness and the idea of like, do what you love, I wrestle with a little bit because we still need the world to go around. We still need truck drivers. We still need freaking a manager at Target, like whatever, right? Name, a plumber, right? So the idea of do what you love sometimes rubs me the wrong way. But I do think that in your job, in your career, you can, you can live out your passions. You can live out who you are. Mm -hmm. And so this book, big five for life, it tells you like, what are the five things you're about? Which really, you know, core values, what are the five things that matter to you most? And then what's your purpose for existing? And then if you can find those out and then apply those wherever you are, then you will find peace, right? You'll find the peace that you're looking for. And then maybe the other job will happen. Maybe the skate park will happen, whatever. Um, but if not, it doesn't matter because your happiness isn't tied to something someday. So that book, uh, yeah, that's been pretty impactful. I love it. And I also love what you just touched on literally the last podcast. Um, we were having the same conversation. The guy, uh, his name's David Schoenicker, um, exited a, a, a business and, you know, he's very successful entrepreneur, but he brought that up too. Like, uh, same thing you just said, like that whole concept of like, you know, follow your passion. And I just put up a video the other day too, just thinking through this because the reality is like, I talked to so many people that are unhappy in their W2 job. They're unhappy in their business. You know, the concept of the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why that comes up so often. And it's because we're always, you know, generally we're always looking for something else. And it, it doesn't matter how great your business is. It doesn't matter how great your job is. If you're not happy in life in general, and, and I'm really curious to read the big five for life because I, I don't even know what all is in there, but the reality, like I've been thinking about this more, if you're not happy with who you are and who you're surrounded with and the life you've built and the family, there's no business that's going to make you happy. 
There's no, no job that's going to make you happy. And so when you kind of touch on the fact that, you know, just follow your passion, I understand I, we talked about this a long time ago, but my oldest son is a professional wake surfer. He loves mm -hmm. wake surfing. That's his passion. And then he turned it into a business and there's days where he does not love that business. And there's days yeah. where he no longer loves wake surfing because you know, it's what he does every day. And I'll never forget an early mentor. I was working on a, a job with him on the side on the weekend and he owned a cabinet company and I was helping him install cabinets. And he's like, you know, Mikey, he used to call me Mikey all the time. You know, Mikey, there was a day when I just loved woodworking. I'd love to go out in my shop. I'd love to build cabinets. And he's like, this is just getting old. It was a Saturday. He was working overtime and he's like, I just don't love it anymore. Yeah. So, you know, when, when he started no longer doing this as a side business and it was a full business, he started losing the passion around it. So mm -hmm. I'll toss it back to you, but I think that was some really valuable, it's like a theme right now, right? Just chase your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Chase your path. We're, we're just so about what makes you happy. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? We're so freaking selfish. And, and I find this in myself, like, like I'll go through a day and I'm like, Whoa, how much of the time am I just thinking about what Ned wants, how Ned wants it? Um, and why is that? And so I'm really, you know, like starting to ask myself a question. So me and the kids, uh, and my wife at, before we go to bed. And you, when I say this, you're going to think, Oh, that's awesome. We're all sitting in a circle kumbaya doing this. It's like a fight and it doesn't happen every night, but we'll sit and journal <clears throat> and we'll say, you know, um, what are two things you're grateful for? What's something you learned today? What's your intention for tomorrow? And then one that we're just now adding is who did you serve today? And the question is kind of a stumper, right? Because you're like, dang, I don't know who did I serve today? Mm -hmm. But the intention, the hope is that if we ask ourselves that question every day, like, one, our subconscious, and then two, our own awareness, we'll start to be more aware of those around us and serving those around us. So, and, and that's where really joy comes from, right? Think about it. It's like super simple. If, if I, somebody gives me a gift, it's great. But if I find a rad gift and I send it to you and I'm like, oh, I know Mike's going to love it. There's just so much more joy in that. So I don't know why we're so selfish, but um, if we can move out of that, I think that, we find a lot more happiness versus what do I need to do? What do I need to eat? What do I need to get? That's going to make me happy. Um, and we're so focused on that. And that's just not where we're going to find peace. You know, I, I love it. And I'm curious about, you know, your whole mission around fatherhood. Let's dive into that because, you know, obviously you're a dad and it's a passion of yours, but also like what kind of led you to sharing this information and the gifts that you're sharing with the world. Yeah. So in 2015, when I, um, kind of had that identity crisis, I guess, or, you know, get back in line. Um, I kind of was, I was sitting in church one day and I was looking around at some of the men and I'm like, okay, that guy's in construction. That guy's a plumber. That guy's a, a he works at target. I'm like, what are these dudes doing here? Like, what are they excited about? You know? <clears throat> and so I was like, I'm feeling this way and I've got a successful business and, and, uh, but I'm feeling the same sense. And so I don't know exactly where it came, but this mantra rebel and create. So rebel, I mean, it could apply to a lot of things, but rebel against the status quo of what it means to be a father, create the father you want to be rebel against the world saying that this is what a dad looks like, or this is what a, what a, what your purpose looks like and then create the purpose you want or you're designed for whatever fits you. And so I was like, you know what, if I'm struggling with this, I bet other dads are too. So I just put it in a book. So I, English was literally my worst class in high school, right? 
And then my dad was an English high school teacher, which is hilarious. Um, but I wrote this book called Rebel and Create a Compass uh, for Fathers. And uh, I just kind of put my own life in there. Like I just put what I was going through and, and then wanted to share it with the world. And then <clears throat> when the book came out, my coach I had at the time who was helping me just like make sure to get this sucker out was like, Ned, nobody's going to care about this at all. You should start a podcast or a YouTube or something. And so I was like, all right, I'll start a podcast. So I committed to it for six months where I just interviewed dads. Um, and in that process, I just I loved it. It's my favorite thing I do is interview dad. So I think we're pretty close. I'm at like 242 podcasts or something like that. Um, that was in 2019 when I released all that. Um, and then I did a journal. So I love journals. I've journals since I was 18 years old and they're really a great tool for me. And I felt like journals were really popular. Uh, so I did a fundraiser on Kickstarter. I got this really beautiful journal made and nobody cared because dads don't really journal maybe very small percentage of them so the the journal's rad but it didn't really go anywhere which which was fine it was a good process um and then after that i got the opportunity to do a tedx which is really one of the most rad opportunities because i put 120 hours into this for a 15 minute talk mm. and, and that's not like thinking about it in the shower that's like okay i'm sitting on my computer put the timer on and then attract it but what was beautiful about it is it really helped me narrow down what is it that matters to me about fatherhood? What is it about my, my mission purpose? And really, it comes down to identity, right? Is, is I just want men to see who they are because I'm on this pursuit of seeing who I am and showing up for my family. And I want men to do that too. So I'm not like, I'm not the best parent. I'm not the best dad. And I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to be for my kids, but um, I'm just trying to share my life and journey with other people and help them just embrace their journey as well. So then with all that being said, I think the climax of what I'm working towards is this children's book that I'm about to put out. Mm. Uh, so, so here's kind of the, the thing is, I just feel like dads aren't invited into their role. A father is not invited into his role as a dad. You know, a woman, a woman gets pregnant, which is the most amazing thing. And she has such a freaking rite of passage, dude, pregnant for nine months, grows a human, pushes that human out of her body and then, you know, can feed the baby with her body. Mm -hmm. And in our modern world, you know, innately, I am a provider and protector, but it's like, okay, what do I do? I put my head down and I go to work. And sometimes dads feel like idiot around the kid. They're not invited in. So this book is a tool for it's called the adventure of fatherhood and it's written for dads and their kid to read together. So it's a father, son one coming out first and then six months later, a father, daughter one. Um, and that's it. And that's kind of the, the progression of where I'm at with fatherhood. And I do this all on the side. Um, cause I have, you know, my full-time gig and my family. Wow. You know, I had never really thought about, uh, us not being invited in like the way you thought. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation nowadays about how young men don't have a rite of passage and, you know, mm -hmm. the young women, uh, it's naturally built in. But I never really thought about it, um, you know, from a mother-father perspective. And, you know, I, I hesitate to, you know, open up this can of worms, but even when we, you know, talk about toxic masculinity and all the issues and, you know, males being gone literally from a huge percentage of families that exist. I never really thought about the fact that, you know, we're not invited into that. And as you were saying that I was listening to my kids the other day and my kids are 22, 19 and eight, uh, 20, 
22, 20, and, and 18. And uh, so it was Dylan and his girlfriend and my daughter. And they were talking about some, somebody just had a baby and they were talking about how the dad had to go to work. And my daughter made a comment. She's like, you know, that's really sad that the guys just have to go right back to work. And Ned, it triggered something in my brain because I'm, <laughs> I'm an employer. Like I'm, I, you know, I've, I naturally, and what I love about guys like you and groups like Front Row Dads is that we're open to challenging, you know, our limiting beliefs, preconceived ideas. A thought fluttered in my brain when she said that. I was like, well, why the hell would he not go back to work? And that was my natural, like, because as an employer over the years, I'm like, get your ass back to work. Yeah. Um, but you just said something and it's interesting, you know, these conversations stack. I didn't really think about it too much. Um, but that's where my brain went. Like, why wouldn't he go back? But when you just said what you just said, it really challenged a long standing belief in my brain that just is, I don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't know. Well, dude, here's the thing. I think we need to be careful with this. And I'm not saying I'm pro, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm just bringing this point up. I just want to be careful for like, okay, great great. You're a dad now go home for three months and be at home. Okay. Well now are we taking away the one thing that makes him feel like he's a part of this? And, and if he's intentional at home, like serving his wife, serving the baby, being a part of it, like rad, but he needs to be invited into that and not just be like a bitch on the wall. Who's just like kind of running around, doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. I just want to be careful. Like men need to know, okay, like, yeah, I'm a provider and protector. So what does that look like in our modern world? So I know part of me, when I had my first kid, we were broke and, and my wife gives me crap about it still, but she had the baby on a Friday and I was back to work on a Monday. Mm -hmm. But that's because as a 23 year old dude having his first kid, I felt like it's my duty mm -hmm. to go serve my family. And that's what gave me purpose is like, I got up while they were sleeping and I went to work and I came home with a paycheck. And so it made me feel like that was my contribution to this. So I'm not saying I, I later on, I did stay home a little bit longer and knowing what I know now and knowing who I am now, I think I'd be great to stay home for a month and kick it with the family. But I just want to be careful that we're not continuing to like make a dude, not feel like a dude and take away his masculinity by trying to make him not, not a dude. Right. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. you want to provide, what does that look like? So how do you live out that if you're going to be at home for six to three, six to 12 weeks or whatever. I just think it's, it's something we should be paying attention to. Yeah. So that the dude knows who he is. Yeah. So when he wakes up, he knows how to show up for his family and nobody's telling him how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, there's, there's things you have to do, yeah. but I think it's a conviction inside of you of like, okay, I know who I am because it's clear who the mom is. That baby's not going to survive very obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we know that the baby will not survive without the mom. But if we did a study and we looked at all these kids who didn't have a dad, look at them at 30 years old or 20 years old, they're going to be a shit show because they didn't have a dad. I mean, you know, statistically yeah. speaking. Yeah. <clears throat> and so where's the breakdown? Where's the breakdown of that dude being invited into his role? So he knows mm -hmm. that, that the way you show up matters for when that kid's 20 years old, how they feel about themselves, how they see themselves. Like, oh my gosh, it's, I'm not passionate about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, I love the conversation because, and I, and I like that, you know, you're not, you're not telling me how I should think, but what I love, what I love about it is like it, when I say it challenged a thought, 
it's just something that I never even thought about. Like, it's just a thought. It's, it's a way of thinking yeah. that I have that, you know, and honestly, like I'm, I'm a believer. So, you know, I mean, owning my own business and the way that I've designed my life and time freedom and being with my family, um, <clears throat> I, I would probably lean more toward personally, um, taking more time off and I've built a life where I could do that. Right. But honestly, like my natural tendency, and again, I'm putting myself out there and I'm not saying that like, I fully agree with now that we're having this conversation, I'm, I'm wrestling with a preconceived idea and thought process that you're helping probably change just even through talking about it. Because my natural thing would be like, um, <laughs> okay, get back to work. <laughs> you know, just yeah. like, you need to be back to work because we have a job to do. But when my kids said that the other day, I was kind of like, that was my natural, like, get back, like, why wouldn't you go back to work? That's what, that's what men do. But I like what you're just even posing. And I don't even know if that's even what you really, but that's how, like, how it hit me is, you know, we got to open up these conversations. And again, you're not saying how it should be. You're just saying we should have the right to be able to think through that. I think a dude just needs to know who he is. Be invited into your role. Look at how some people are doing it and just know how important you are. The reality is, is we're all on a journey, right? So it's going to look different for each of us. But 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 stop and think about it. Stop and have a conviction of who you are. Um, I'll just share this other thing with you to fast forward because I, I might seem like I think every dude should not stay at home with his newborn. Uh, that's not the case at all. For my team, I tell you, if it's your kid's birthday, you take, you got the day off. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was just a partner in this business before I owned it, I went to my business partner and I said, oh, my, my kid's birthday is this Thursday, so I won't be here. And he's like, what do you mean you won't be here? I was like, oh, I'm going to take the day off because it's my kid's birthday. And uh, he's like, well, I never took my, he's like, you know, 30 years older than me. He's like, I never took my kid's birthday off. And I'm like, okay, yeah. you know what I mean? All right. I get that as like a, you know, 64 year old white man business owner. That's what you, that's what was done, but that's yeah. not how I'm going to do this now. And, um, and so I make that a priority because I, for my, for my team, because I go, dude, I got 18 birthdays where this kid's at my house and mm -hmm. I'm not just calling them when they're 25 years old, yeah. you know, if I, if I don't get to see them or whatever. Um, and so I will say that I'm super intentional about telling dads, like, take the day off, be with your kid, be at everything that you possibly can. Those are the things that we will regret. And that partly is knowing who you are. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say, I think dads should take time off to be with their kids. Yeah, I love it. Just, not just, not just work all the time. You know, you bring up a, a, a valuable, uh, just, I guess, talking point and something we all need to consider, um, you know, my, my number, like my value is freedom. Like I, I've built my business that way. I've built my life that way. My kids have traveled the world. I mean, Dylan was one year old on a plane going to Indonesia. Like we, we didn't adjust our life for our kids. And you obviously haven't either. You've designed your life for your kids and with your kids. Um, but I've struggled with this when you talk about like this value and bringing it into the employee thing. And when you said that too, like, I'm going to implement that, but it's challenging. Um, you know, I didn't miss, I didn't miss games. I didn't miss, uh, I didn't miss birth. I didn't miss anything. Uh, I was there and like yeah. being able to bring that into a scaling, growing business is something that I've really, really wrestled with on a case. Agreed. Like, you yeah, know, it's challenging. It's challenging. And I love the yeah. conversation. Cause I think we just have to be, <clears throat> we have to be more open to it. 
Yeah. Our first core value at um, our employee benefits agency is family first. And, and I go back and forth because on one hand I'm like, Oh yeah, everybody family first. And then on the other hand, I'm like, why is, why are we off on Monday for this stupid holiday? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Mondays are for working. Yeah. So they probably think I'm bipolar in some instances, but the core value has helped us a lot to go, okay, so that Ned can enjoy a three-day weekend, we're going to make Tuesdays look like Monday. So we just move our meetings to Tuesday, like our L10 meetings now on Tuesday because it's Labor Day or whatever. So that's one thing that, that's helped. But, but we've gotten arguments as a team of like, okay, when are our phone lines open? When are we available? Well, when we started the business, we're available from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. Give them our cell phone numbers because we're building the business. And it's like, well, wait a second. Now our core value is family first and we don't want this to be just for Ned, the business owner. We want this to be for everybody. So our phone lines are now only open to on till four. And then our voicemail says, we'll call you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And and that was the thing that I remember going back and forth with, with my operations guy. Cause I'm like, no way clients need to be able to call at 501 and us be there. Well, it's like, well, our core values family first. And is that true? If that's true, that means that we got to kind of close up shop and be home in time for dinner and not on the phone at 501 till 540. And then home at 640, you know, so what well, we all work from home now, but, um, I think that is really hard as a business owner who has a bunch of freedom to be able to create that culture with your team. Now we're nine employees right now. So it, it, we're able to manage that. If I had to go bring on 10 people tomorrow or, you know, or had a hundred employees, it's going to be a little bit harder to manage. Mm. Um, but, I, but it's probably possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an interesting conversation because to your point, I mean, even back to the man having, you know, his place, it's not a black and white thing. It's not an either or thing. It's just a, you know, wrestling with our core values and our beliefs and how we want to process it. And I think it's a good conversation. And I think that's the thing we need to continue doing is just wrestle with the questions. Don't just say it's always this way or it's always that way. You just, it's, it's always a wrestling with making a decision. Sometimes you make the right one. Sometimes you make the wrong one and then adjusting from it. Uh, I think that's what life is. Yeah. What are you, um, I'm just curious cause you guys just made the leap, uh, Hawaii. What have been some of the most amazing, like things that have happened, the realizations, the, the things in the family. Yeah. So <clears throat> when we first moved here, I thought it was going to be epic and my kids were depressed. And so it was really strange. So what I decided was to allow them space to be depressed and not just try to fill it with fun or try to um, snap them out of it. Um, they each tried a couple schools. Schooling was difficult. We're trying a couple new schools for a couple of them. I think we're doing two are homeschooled this year. One's in two are in another school and one's at another school. So we're in three schools. But, but here's the thing. One of the things that was really epic is as my wife and I were processing this, like, okay, the kids, we finally came to this point where it's not just that we moved to Hawaii. It's that COVID happened and, and their friend, their friends moved from California places. And there's a lot of change and they all had in their head, like, I think they maybe seen high school musical too many times. And that's what they <laughs> thought high school was going to look like, which kind of was maybe, you know, like my wife was saying last night, even she, she found a bunch of her old yearbooks looking through them. And she's like, yeah, my mind was like that. So long story short is um, I was talking with one of my greatest mentors, Nathan Oates. And he said, Ned, you got to give your kids something new to dream for mm -hmm. something, a new vision in their head. So what we did this summer is we went on a mission trip as a family and it was incredible. So it's like we moved in this rad house, walking distance to the beach in Hawaii. 
And, and we felt like, okay, let's go show the kids some perspective so that they can make the most of this opportunity they have here and not just be their mind in California. And that was huge from that trip. I've noticed such a shift in my kids' mindset around the opportunity that's in front of them. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's something cool. Um, the other thing is I would just say my son, his health is hundred percent better. The kid grew his hair out long. He's freaking surfing every day. It's so safe here. He's met a bunch of friends and they'll just like the other day, they set their alarm for 630 AM. He had some homies sleep over and they all got up and went to the beach and boogie boarded all morning, got home at 10 and made breakfast. And he's 13, dude. He's like living the freaking dream right now. Um, and there's other things for each of my kids that have been cool, but for him, especially, um, that's been really rad to see. I love it. I love it so much. What's, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, what's, what's next? What's, what are you excited about? What are you guys, what are you guys building? Obviously we got the books coming, but what else is going on? Yeah, man. Uh, so I've really been restructuring my life lately. You know, I felt like the last two years I went all in for my family. What is it that my family needs to, to have stability, um, from, you know, selling everything. I mean, we, we, you know, houses and this and that and the other. So now it's, it's reestablishing myself, like mm -hmm. what matters to me, getting myself back in order, getting my business back in order from all the shifts. So I would say first and foremost, it's getting a bunch of crap off my calendar that doesn't matter and then stop having just good intentions and start to implement some of the things that in the back of my mind have been important, but there's just been, you know, big shifts kind of in the way to, to do that, like moving and getting settled and buying all new cars and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> And so I think that's it. I think it's kind of like we're going to enter this new season of of just fruit, of just being outside with the kids, surfing with the kids, and then and then slowly one day at a time building my business, uh, continue to build my business with an incredible team. Uh, I really enjoy that. And then lastly is is I want to invite dads into their role. So I know we've been talking about it, but um, this book is going to launch in February, and I have some some massive ideas and thoughts and dreams about inviting dads into their role. So there's 10,000 babies born a day in the United States alone. So my intention is to have some impact on that number mm. and to invite those dads into their role and just simply show them who they are and, uh, and see what the world looks like in 20 years. Man, that that's amazing. Um, I, I want to, I'm going to circle back to the ask on how we get involved in that and find out more information. But I'm curious, just listening to you, you've been journaling since you were 15. Is that what you said? about 18 is when I really started. So this whole process, um, you know, you've had a crazy couple of disruptive years and, and it's been good. I mean, moving the family and everything else, when you brought it back to you and recentering Ned and how, how does, just from a practical perspective, how did you come to that realization? Is it through journaling? Is it through, you know, you said you check on your milestone and goals and see what you hit and didn't hit. Is it just a meditative thing? How did, how did you come back to that and realize that, you know, you've done all this the last couple of years and now I need to do this. Is it a process? Yeah. So again, you know, I have it in my, my rhythm to once a year, go take a couple of days off and, and just go sit with myself and think about where have I been and what's working for me? What's not working for me? What do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy? What do I have to do and still have to do? And so 
when I find that I haven't had that time in a while and I'm like, like you got to fight for that time. It's not like yeah. I just put it on the calendar and yeah. it just happens. It's like, you got to fight for that. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll share one other thing about that too, but um, I'm trying to do that more regularly and, and just go and just sit and chill, get myself out of the chaos. Cause like, if you were to ask me what's really important to me right now, I'd say, Oh, the fatherhood book is so important to me. If you'd ask me Monday at 11, I'd say, Oh my gosh, work. My business is so important to me. <clears throat> If you ask me on a Sunday afternoon when I'm sitting by the pool with my family, I'd say just family. So sometimes I think we make decisions out of the emotional state we're in mm. because of whatever it is that we're doing. So I think you have to pull yourself out of that and fully separate yourself from all the daily things that are kind of like telling you what's important. <clears throat> and then you got to ask yourself what's important. And sometimes it's reading my journals. So it's going back and looking at my last year of journals. And I'm like, dang, how was I you know, cause a lot of my journals are prayers like, God, this is what today's like and what's going on. And this is what I'm struggling with this is what I'm excited about. So sometimes I'll look at a journal and go, dude, I can't believe I, that was even an issue or a thought or whatever, six months ago or six years ago. And then sometimes I'm like, dang, I'm still struggling with that same negative thought. You got to figure that out. And then I'd practically put that into a dashboard for my year, break it down. I mean, kind of like I L I like use the whole like EOS soft program for my own life wow. and I break it down. So I know the buckets that are important to me. I got the lead Ned, lead my wife, lead my family, lead my business, be a father to fathers. Those are my buckets. And then I break it down to like, what am I going to do for the year? Quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. And I break it down for each of those. And when I say lead, I mean, serve those. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Sorry, my voice got a little scratchy, but yeah, that's how I practically do it. And then I literally do a dashboard every day and I check it off. And I'm and and then at the and I and then at the end of the month I could look and be like, oh, you say being a husband is really important to you. You 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 didn't take your wife on a date this month, you idiot. Mm. Right. And so you, I reflect on that. I have it on my calendar to reflect on that and then to course correct um and to make adjustments so that I don't have six months go like that. Wow. So I didn't want to derail the 10,000 baby a day thing, but I really wanted to come back and see. Dude, and whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Cause like, I think that was super valuable. What you, you know, just how does Ned dissect this? Because you, you're pretty intentional and you got a lot going on there and uh, you know, just seeing how you dissect that and check in. And, and I love the fact that you said, you know, this doesn't just happen. You have to fight for that thing. And that that's, that's powerful. So Dude, it's a grind. Like even my dashboard, it's like I'm two days behind on posting my my time, you know? Uh, and so so it's like you're constantly fighting, but if you truly want to be great, mm -hmm. like, dude, you got to show, you got to freaking show up and do that. You got to fight for that to be great. You know, it's not just going to happen. You're not going to manifest it. You're just sitting and thinking about it. You got to take action, which you got to pause and think, but you have to take action and go back to that consistent word I used at the beginning. You have to take action consistently. Yeah. Well, when you talked about, you know, 10,000 babies being born every day and you just want to, you know, make it, that's, that's insane. And, and just the, a lot. Yeah. And just the mission behind it and, you know, helping fathers reclaim their place in that it's huge. So if the audience is interested in, <clears throat> in, uh, reaching out or getting on, you know, the, list or whatever it is, where do they find you? Yeah. So here's the idea. 
<clears throat> so I've peeled this away from rebel and create. It's not part of my podcast. It's not part of my, my book, my, my other books or journals, it's not part of that. It's its own thing. It's adventure of fatherhood.com. You can go pre-order the book if you want. Um, I think they're 20 bucks. We've sold 650 copies already, which is rad is rad. But <clears throat> the intention is that once the book is out, this is so simple. If you know somebody who's having a baby, you can go to adventurefatherhood.com and order them a gift box. And the gift box is beautiful. It's put together amazing. The dad will get this. It'll show up at his house or you'll hand it to him. And there's a picture of a dad on a motorcycle with no helmet, hair blowing back. I'm still a wild badass. There's a kid in the sidecar <laughs> with a helmet on because we want to protect our kids. His hands are in the air. He's stoked. And the intention is that when he opens that box, there's this kid's book. And it's and and that when he opens it up, it's not 12 steps to be a great dad. It's not, you know, whatever that they won't actually read. They flip through it and there's these beautiful pages that help them see who they are. And that is the simple idea to invite them into their role. And then inside that box will be some other goodies, um, just like cool stuff. And then an invitation, come to adventurehood, adventureoffatherhood.com join 30 days to be a new dad, mm. join a year, get a mentor wow. and then send them on their way. This isn't come join a community for the rest of your life. This is like, I just want to show you who you are. Here's all the resources out there. Here's all the fatherhood podcasts. Here's all the tools that are out there. Find what works for you, but start your journey early. We love you. You have what it takes. You are awesome. You were made for this. Boom. Like that's it. A simple invitation. Um, and so right now you could buy the book in February, you'll be able to buy the gift box and, uh, then just send it to a dad as like a welcome to fatherhood. Mm. And then the intention is that they just see who they are through a very simple gift, man. That's amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to go pre-order and, uh, let's do this. If you text me the word fatherhood to 480-531-7519, the first 10 people that do that, I'll send them a pre-order as well. And uh, I think it's just so awesome what you're doing. And Love it, bro. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. You know, and as we get closer too, let's, um, you know, let's reconnect and, and let's push this thing out because I'm inspired after this conversation. It's great. Uh, I love it. So exciting, dude. It just, it matters. And you know, it's, it's like one thing to talk about fatherhood and be a great dad, but it matters how you dad, mm -hmm. right? Like the way your kids, I mean, our kids are foreign ages, but you know, my kids could marry your kids. And so the way you dad and the way I dad is going to impact what their family looks like, the way that their parents. And so this thing can't just be you doing it in your own home. You know, it has to be us collectively working together as dads to, to embrace who we already are. Wow. So good. Well, I truly appreciate your time and uh, man, I just, I look forward to watching this all unfold. It's going to be great. Love it, dude. Thanks for having me on. I, uh, I enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah, and uh, take him up on it. Go to adventureandfatherhood.com, right? Yeah, adventureoffatherhood.com. Nice. Cool. Thank you, sir. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.